May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. My name is Jeremy Boyd. I'm Alex Klusterman. And we're here at the Upper 40 studio, as beautiful as ever. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. You know, we had uh, Pastor Jason with us last week. Mm -hmm. His seat is empty this week. We feel the void. We feel the void. And we don't know where Ben's gotten to. He's Maybe he got stuck inside the Purolator Depot or (laughs) UPS Depot or he got shipped to uh, Timbuktu or something. I don't know. Like like in those Probable. old those old Looney Tunes, uh, whenever they try and get rid of somebody, they just ship them off to Timbuktu. Timbuktu, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I think that's the only place I know Timbuktu from. Yeah, I know it. Me too. Looney I've never Tunes. heard of that in any other context other than the Looney Tunes. <laughs> All right. Well, this is episode twenty-four. Yep, that's two dozen. So two, yeah. 26 would be two baker's dozens. Mm. We're getting to two baker's dozens. We are. We'll have to bend on there because he, uh, he likes to bake. And we all like donuts, so maybe a little too much. <laughs> well, we're going to start uh, a three-part series tonight. Uh, this is something we've been talking about. And I think this is going to touch on a lot of other subjects that we've been uh, be, we've been hitting uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we would call uh, anthropology or the doctrine of man, mm-hmm. uh, and that's mankind, not uh, men, the doctrine of man. Uh, we're going to talk about it in three parts, and these are basically three categories a lot of theologians will divide up anthropology into, and that would be creation, fall, and redemption. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a week and sort of look at each of those aspects of, uh, of humanity, mm-hmm. uh, what we were created for, what went wrong, and uh, what God has done to make it right. Yeah. So we're going to start tonight with creation. So why don't you kick us off and let's... Let's talk about who are we? I mean, yeah. there's nobody we know better than ourselves. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's dig in. Well, and, and that's that's an interesting assertion, though. I mean, it, it, in one sense, apart from God's word, we don't even know ourselves. And this, right. is, this is what leaves us with a question. Who are, who are we? Who am I? Uh, what is my purpose? And this is a question that, you know, existentially is one that, humanity has grappled with forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we live in a unique, I think I think it's fair to say a truly unique time in the West and that there has been a rejection of some fundamental beliefs related to our purpose. And one of the biggest things is not just that we have changed or... Um, yeah, we've changed views and that we've adopted another purpose for humanity, that we have adopted a materialist right. view of the universe uh, in which the idea of purpose is incoherent. Right. It, it just doesn't, it, it's like, you know, it, it just doesn't jive. There's, what do you mean purpose in yeah. a materialist world? There just is yeah. Uh, we are we are matter in motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the consequence of chance and time, and ugly nothing. Uh, ugly bags of mostly water. Yeah, <laughs> and and what people who are materialists um, and and object to this would say is, well, no, I'm a I am a materialist, and I think we have purpose. And right. It's like, oh, that's fine. You yep. just have no basis for that. Sure. 
I, I don't deny that there are many materialists who don't believe in anything transcendent yeah. who think the world is pregnant with purpose. I just think you have no foundation for that well, rationally. I think this gets to one of the one of the main points we're probably going to hit on tonight is mm-hmm. the concept of the image of God. Yeah, that's right? where we're going. Yeah. Um, Romans 1 says that we all have the knowledge of God, right? God's given us yeah. enough enough in nature to know that he exists yeah. and that we suppress it. Uh, but he's also given us uh, this this other knowledge, right? And um, uh, that there is purpose. We all inherently know that there's meaning and purpose. Yeah. Uh, it's just that we've tried to adopt a worldview uh, or a cosmology that says this is all an accident. Yeah. While maintaining the belief in purpose. People suspend the idea of purpose because it comes with it inseparably obligations. Right. But... So they rejected at the obligatory level to say that you can't tell me that there is a um, kind of a, a something I must live up to hmm. in my life. But very few people would reject at every aspect of their being and their existence day to day the fact that there is a purpose or that other human beings have purpose. Now, yeah, there are some people that will believe that. Um, or say they believe it, and they're just being, you know, consistent to their worldview. Like guys yeah. like Nietzsche and Sartre and those those yeah. guys, they walked it out right to the end. They said, "Well, if this, if there's no God, then none of this has any purpose." And the only remaining question is, why don't we all kill ourselves? Yeah, but Nietzsche was, <clears throat> from what I've read, he was uh, he was a lot more consistent. The, or he should be credited with a, a bit of consistency in that he he wasn't... I haven't read everything he's written, but there's things that I've read where he wasn't... I was surprised to see that he wasn't, um, should I say, celebrating that fact as much as some people... No, he wasn't. Like, it was almost like, well, this just is the way it is. Yeah. But we're going to have to recognize that with the loss of the transcendent, there's going to be consequences. And, uh, you know, the, this is where it's going to lead to. Yeah. Um, but all that to say today, you know, Charles Taylor calls it, refers to the posture of a lot of people with materialist view as the imminent frame. That is, there's just us. There's just here. There's just now. There's no transcendent God. There's no transcendent, uh, therefore, purpose to humanity. We don't live in a creation in a, in a theological sense. Um, it's chaos. It's just chaos. Yeah, chaos and and, and a little bit of order. Um, so we want to we want to and and if you have this view of things, this impacts every part of your life because as as creatures created in the image of God, we thrive on meaning. Look, this is why Jordan Peterson is blown up. Yeah, it is not because of his you know his. Uh, his eloquent and rational and excellent uh, response to the whole speech log thing in Canada. That was just the, that just got him some exposure. Yeah. The reason is people, especially young men, are latching on to Jordan Peterson is that he believes the world is ripe with meaning. And he thinks uh, that that it is crucial that, that human beings recognize and embrace and live according to the meaning of the world and the meaning of their lives. And without that, you fall into just chaos and despair. 
And I think apart from anything specific that he has said, that message, a message of meaning is just, just um, hooks people yeah. because you don't hear that. Yeah. And, now, it's unfortunate yeah. that he's not able to uh, ground it in the biblical frame work. I mean, yes. He, he, yes. He, he tends to use a lot of biblical imagery and whatnot, but he's not actually going, hey, here's Genesis 1. And maybe, yeah. we, maybe we go there now. Yeah. Maybe we go to the creation and find out, um, you know, it's, it's possible for people to be right for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel that way about a lot of Peterson's arguments. Mm-hmm. I, I love the guy. I love listening to him. I think he's been very helpful. But really, when it comes down to it, the reason there's meaning is because we're created in God's image and yeah. and because God has given us uh, a mandate. Yeah. Right? He didn't just create us in his image and leave us to figure out what to do. Yeah. And we read this last week in the opening, right? Yeah. Uh, and so maybe we'll read that again. Um uh, do, 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 do. That was at Genesis 1, 26, yes, uh, 26 and 27. Mm-hmm. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. So right off the hop, um, the the purpose of people is to do something. God yeah. has created us to do something. Yeah. That's the meaning. Yeah. That's, that's part of, part of what makes uh, living good is, is obeying God's mandate. Well, right? even, and even before that, the fact that there is a God right. and we are created means that whatever the meaning is, there is meaning. If there is no God and there is no creation, there is no purpose. It is purely coincidental. It is, you know, a highly statistically unlikely anomaly that just happened to work out and has continued on ever since. Um, the, the The discussion of meaning and purpose is just totally offside. It, it just is incoherent. There's no connection. It's just you imposing your dreams and wishes and fantasies and right. whatever onto existence. You don't get that. You can't play both sides. But we see in the beginning God and the most fundamental reality is God. And that changes everything. But related to this conversation, it means there's meaning. So... We need to not skip over this, as we often do. What does it mean that he created us in the image of God? Well, let's just start with creation. It means that we are dependent. We are not the creator. Mm -hmm. That we are dependent. We had a beginning. We had a beginning. We are finite. Mm -hmm. And um, this is what the... We'll get into the kind of the fall of humanity. The inversion of this is to live as though, not as though we are creatures, but as though we are created, uh, creators. Yeah. Um, but what know, did I mean? What did Paul say? Uh, in Him we live and move and have our being. Yes, right. God's being is not dependent, and this is this yes. is the big difference between man and God. God yeah. is self dependent. Mm-hmm. His being, His essence, does not depend no. on a higher being. Ours does. The only reason I'm, you know, conscious right now is because God is sustaining my being. Yes, and He brought it into existence yeah. when I was conceived. Yeah. So we are finite, we are dependent, which means we ought to be characterized by gratitude Mm. um, and not self-congratulations, but we actually owe our existence to God. 
the New Testament picks this up and says that uh, that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Yeah. That even all of the order that we experience is because God, by his word, is upholding it to mm. be so. So and we could go into any of these very deeply, um, but we'll say a few that about being created. But then he brings up these two terms, image and likeness. Now, the book of Genesis was written by Moses, and it was written by Moses and uh, spoken to and written down to the people of Israel uh, after they had left Egypt, the whole Pentateuch was. Mm -hmm. And when we read the Bible, as with all communication, God communicates to people in terms that they would understand. All communication involves this. You move from the familiar to the unfamiliar. So... If I, you know, when we're having a conversation or we're, or we're communicating with our thousands of listeners, um, we're speaking English. And we need to begin at that point. And if we are introducing new concepts and ideas, we use the familiar language of English to explain the unfamiliar concepts and the phrases, whatever. So the image and likeness, a lot of people too quickly in their exegesis of this passage jump to, say, philosophical reflections on what this might mean. But the first thing we have to do is think, well, what would the original hearers have heard? What would an Israelite hear if you say image and likeness? Well, an Israelite, uh, someone wandering around in the desert with Moses, they're coming out of Egypt where they've lived for 400 years. And the idea and the phrasing of image and likeness, Moses didn't make this up. This is something that was common in the ancient Near East. Um, Walter Wolf uh, notes that the setting up of a king's statue was the equivalent to the proclamation of his dominion or domination over the sphere in which the statue was erected. And we see this in Daniel 3 as well with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, When in the 13th century BC, 13 centuries BC, the pharaoh Ramses had the image hewn out of rock at the mouth uh, of Nabor al-Kaban in the Mediterranean north of Beirut, an image meant that he was the ruler of the area. Accordingly, man is set in the midst of creation as God's statue. He is evidence that God is the Lord of mm. creation. But so, Do you think this is, uh, sorry, maybe this is a rabbit trail, but nope. uh, the second commandment uh, come into play here? Right. Right. Do not make nope. any graven images uh, or any likeness. Right. I mean, because if you're saying that we are God's likeness in the world, saying that God rules and reigns over all of this. Yeah. Then that's a good reason not to make a statue of God or make a calf or whatever. Well, 100%. And yeah. it, it's getting the order wrong. It's like, no, no, God, God is the ultimate reality and he creates and he defines us. And we are creating his image. We don't then go create things in our image or create things to supposedly be in his image. That's his job, Mm. his image and likeness. Um, So the idea of image uh, reflects and represents the one that it pictures, like a statue in the ancient Near East. Um, So the ancient, the image of God in the culture and language of the ancient Near East in the 15th century BC, we have communicated two main ideas, rulership and sonship. The king is the image of God because he has a relationship with the deity as the son of God and a relationship to the world as ruler for God. 
So this idea of ruling and sonship is just part of the the parlance of the of the surrounding culture. We say, okay, but is that biblical? Well, yes, the the Bible picks up on these two ideas, and we see in verse um, twenty six and twenty eight, God says His purpose for humanity is that they would have dominion over all creation. Psalm eight, the psalmist is reflecting on Genesis one clearly. Psalm 8, verses 4 to 6. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. That's the idea of kingship. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So crowned, glory, and honor, the idea of rulership. Now, what's amazing about this and different than the surrounding culture because there's similarities and differences is that this this isn't only true of the the king Hmm. whereas all the other little peons are just nothing he's the startling claim of moses and god is that all of humanity is given the status of being created in god's image and likeness men and women meaning that all men and women have an inherent dignity and worth, that they are given the responsibility to reflect the rule of God as someone, as vice regents of representatives of his rule and as children to relate to him covenantally as father. That is what he's created humanity to be. Now, this authority is delegated. We've talked about that. It's not ultimate. People at this point might think, oh, isn't that a scary thing? We're all going to rule. We're all, isn't that leading to d- domination? It's like it does the opposite. Mm-hmm. Because if you have no God above us, then you can be God. But if there's a God above us and his word and law govern existence, then we are accountable and responsible for yeah. that. There's going to be domination one way or another, or there's going to be dominion one way or another, right? Yeah. It's either going to be by a godless bureaucrat who thinks yeah. that they can do whatever they want, or it's going to be by somebody who's godly and understands their role in, yes. in the chain of command, so to speak. Yeah. So I just want to read uh, real quick. Go ahead. Matthew 22, uh, the... the uh, Episode of the Sag- or the Pharisees coming and asking Jesus about paying taxes to Caesar. So then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples uh, to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled. And so you see this, the coin uh, is a symbol, like you're talking about of uh, Ramsey setting up a statue. The coin is a symbol of Caesar's dominion over this everything that the coin touches, everything it's every part of the empire it goes to. But Jesus is saying there's another, like whose image is on you? Yes. Right. This, the image of Caesar is on this coin, uh, but you need to, you need to give to God what's, what his image is on, which is yourself. Yes. Right. Which is why Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, not just your tithe. 
you know, not just your spices, but all of you. Um, so created to, to reflect the rule of God. And we do that by living in obedience to him and his word. And, uh, which means loving and serving, you know, told Adam to tend and to keep the garden, um, in Genesis two, I believe. And the idea is providing and protecting. So this is not domination. This is servant hearted, um, seeking the good of others, laying yourself down kind of thing. That's what it means to, to rule and to lead. Jesus expanded upon that. The idea of sonship is clarified even later in Genesis, uh, where it says that um, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So clearly, the sonship is tied to the image of likeness, the idea of sonship. And Luke confirms this. Um, saying that Adam was the son of God in the genealogy right, right. in Luke 3. So humanity is is to, to rule, to have dominion, but to also live in a, in a covenant relationship as sons of God, as children of God, offering faithful, loyal love and obedience. And God cares for humanity as a father, which makes our rebellion, which we'll get to next week, all the more sinister mm-hmm. and uh, wicked is because sin is not just like, oh, we made a mistake, we did the wrong thing. It's that we rejected the benevolent and gracious yeah. love and care of our father in our, in our like the prodigal son, you know, give yeah. me my inheritance, which is essentially wishing his father dead. He wasn't trying to get out from underneath a wicked father. No, no. Yeah. But a good man who cared yeah. for him. He just wanted to go his own way. And uh, so, yes, humanity has a purpose. All of this is situated in the context of worship. And this is where I'll stop on Genesis 1, that very clearly the Garden of Eden is characterized um, as a as a temple or a sanctuary, very clearly in the Bible. And it's yeah. once you read the rest of Scripture... Um, for one, the Garden of Eden is characterized by the presence of God. God comes to meet man in the cool of the day. It says to walk to and fro in Genesis 3.8. Well, that's the same term that's in, later employed to describe the divine presence in the tent sanctuaries in Leviticus 26.12, Deuteronomy 23. So God's presence is like in the tabernacle, it's yep. in the garden. The temple had the um, the cherubim guarding the Holy yes. of Holies. Uh, the but the the Garden of Eden had the uh, the cherubim guarding it after they were uh, ejected from. Yes, there. and like the ta- the the temple, the entrance to the Garden of Eden was in the east mm-hmm. and was yep. guarded by the cherubim. Yep. Um, yeah, in the center of the Garden of Eden <laughs> is a tree of life, and the center of the tabernacle is a menorah, which is like a kind of symbol right. of the tree. Yeah, that's right. So all of these uh, and things, and I forget, I forget where it is, but uh, it might be somewhere in Ezekiel. It talks about Eden being like a mountain, or being on yes. a, being on a mountain. Yes, just like the mountain of God, the temple yes. was on the mountain. Yeah, right. It, Which is why you've got Babel, uh, humankind trying to build their own mountain, trying to get back, or all of the high places in the Old Testament where the pagans would sacrifice on their mountains. Yeah, it was all an attempt to get back to Eden or to, yes. to worship. Uh, in an unright way. It was a place of worship. Yeah, Yeah, the mountain was. um, Genesis 2.10, a river flows out of Eden to water the garden. The water brings fertility and life to the entire world. 
Um, in Psalm 46, 5, you read a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Mm. And Ezekiel 47 describes a great river flowing out of the new Jerusalem temple to sweeten the Dead Sea. Um, so yeah, Garden, the, the Eden was also clearly an elevated place um, because the river divides into fours. It goes out from the garden. Clearly it goes down from the elevated place. And temples were situated on mountains because that's where the earth and the heavens meet, referencing Ezekiel, which you just referenced. Yep. Uh, and I think it was in, yes, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, 13, and 14. Uh, verse 14, uh, speaking of, um, uh, I believe this is speaking of uh, Satan. Uh, mm-hmm. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. Speaking of his downfall, mm-hmm. but talking about Eden as the mountain of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of this is to summarize practically is that humanity was created to live in a covenant relationship with mm-hmm. God as children and to extend his rule, to reflect his rule, and to do that in the context of worship. And as we live in right relationship with God, as we give him the glory and the honor and the praise and ascribe worth to him for who he is and who he's revealed himself to be, we will live in accordance with our purpose. And we'll look at next week kind of how that went all wrong. Mm. But knowing what our purpose is helps us to understand what went wrong. Right, and it, and it helps us to understand the third one, which is the redemption. What's the purpose of what, redemption? Yeah, what's the purpose? Well, it's to restore the original, uh, the original meaning, mm-hmm. the original purpose, and then some. Mm-hmm. Right, we talked about this beforehand. Right, God in redemption, God isn't just restoring us to a place of innocence, going back, yeah. but He's actually elevating us uh, to. Uh, you know, being clothed in his righteousness. Where yeah. We have the positive righteousness of Christ, not just a passive, mm-hmm. uh, not just a passive righteousness uh, of not having sinned. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's an escalation and a progression to God's purposes. Um, yeah. But none of this makes sense. And, and so much of our theology skips over Genesis or begins at Genesis three. Yeah. You know, well, things have gone wrong. Well, what, what are things like, what is the purpose? What went wrong? Yeah. yeah, our worship went wrong, but you have to know what worship is yeah. before. I think that uh, as as I'm looking at a lot of the sort of fights, uh, food fights and whatnot that are going on within the larger evangelical context right now, particularly in the States and Canada regarding um, the role of men and women in mm. the church and that sort of thing. You can't you can't have that discussion without having this discussion. Oh, absolutely. Not even the what went wrong part, but what are we made for? Mm-hmm. And we've said this over and over, but God made men and women with different uh, talents and different um, things to do. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's there's biological things that men and women are different at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Well, that's not very scientific. <laughs> not anymore, but Wait, do we trust? Are we supposed to trust scientists or not? I never know. I'm so confused. All rise. But um, yeah, to have that discussion about like, well, should women preach on Sundays? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, back it up. Like, what? What did God make us for? What are you yeah. for? Yeah. What do you mean by women? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by women? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
it's so ridiculous that that's even a, a question that uh, we could be asking. But. Well, we so we <laughs> talked about dependence on God, but then there's interdependence. So create a male and female. We didn't even get into the complementarian yeah. stuff, but um, God said that everything was good as he's creating seven times. And then he looked at Adam that he was alone. It's, it wasn't good. Yeah. And um, so he creates a helper suit, fitting suited to him. And, uh, you know, I was just doing marriage counseling this week and we we're going through the idea of men and women, their nature and their roles. And while there are we more, we have more in common than distinct as fellow image bearers of God, um, we do have distinctions and in our purpose. Mm. And if you were to say a woman is to be a helper, a wife is to be a helper of her husband, that would be a repulsive statement today. But that's built, that's because of false presuppositions that people bring as well as just a hatred for God's good design. Yeah. But like, for example, in the Bible, God is referred to as the helper of Israel. Same word. Yeah. Because they can't do it themselves. Who, who, <laughs> who would be exactly. It's like, yeah. it's not a sign of inferiority yeah. to say that this person needs you, but that that's actually yeah. a dignifying, glorifying thing to be said of you that apart from you, this person, it's not good for them. And uh, so there's a there's an interdependence for Adam and Eve that she needed him and he needed her and together that they would reflect the image of God mm. to the world. And um, but yeah, you if you just jump to questions of like can women preach without thinking through these issues, like you've already started on the wrong foot. Yeah, you know. But I feel like that's what that particular discussion needs, big time. A whole lot of Genesis one, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then. But and, that's the the whole point is that the one side doesn't really, they don't really believe what the Bible says. No, so you know, yeah. So or, origins are really important. To, oh, massive to to every pretty much every issue we're having right now could be uh, solved with a good view of origins and creation, mm-hmm. a proper biblical view. Yeah, so definitely worth looking at. Yeah. We've got to uh, we've got to get going. We do. Um, so we're going to cut this a little shorter this week, but we'll be back and maybe we can tie up some loose ends next week before we get started on uh, the fall portion, mm-hmm. which is the portion that we're all most intimately familiar with. Yeah, uh, <laughs> speaking for myself, definitely. Yeah. But uh, what about questions? If people have questions for you, yeah. Uh, if yeah, if anybody's got questions, you want to uh, ask questions in general. You know, like what color is your hair? What kind of car? What kind of car do you drive? Yeah. What's your favorite, uh, you know, soda pop? Those important questions. Yeah, ginger ale, definitely. Uh, or real important questions. You can email me at jeremy at the dominionpodcast dot com. Uh, if you got a question for Alex, send it there too, and I'll just forward it along to him, or uh, even Ben or Jason who have mm-hmm. been on previously. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to ask, or just comments, you want to give us encouragement or hate mail or whatever, mm-hmm. just send it along. But thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week for episode twenty-five when we talk about the fall. All right, we'll see you next time.